0: Everybody, what's up? It is Friday, August fifth. We made it to the end of the week. Whoop, whoop. Episode one hundred and sixty-nine. No jokes in the crowd from the college bras. Congratulations, everybody! Welcome to Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Doctor Gerald Dozier. And over the next thirty minutes, I'll be delivering the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner so how you, can you operation, how can you operationalize these stories and this knowledge in order to be a better practitioner or if you're looking to break in the industry you're going to get asked how do you stay current this is a fantastic answer not only are you going to have an answer like I watch this show but you'll be able to uh, deliver uh, you know m- deeper richer responses to your interview panel uh, and really blow their socks off. Shout out and thanks to this stream sponsor right here, my friend, Barricade Cyber Solutions. Cybercriminals have stolen your company's data and derailed your business operations. Barricade Cyber Solutions will help you resolve this ransomware attack and get your business back on track. I want to remind you, I, I know I say it every day, but guys, we, we got new people pouring in here every day. I see the messages. I'm, I'm really, really excited that people are finding us and, and becoming part of our community. If you hold professional cybersecurity certifications or information security certifications, if you're <laughs> if you got you got a little bit of gray in your hair and you've been around the, the block a few times, each episode of the daily cyber threat briefing right now, what you're doing is worth half a CPE, which is awesome, right? All you got to do is say is what's up in chat. I see Aaron Segetti saying what's up on LinkedIn. Half a CPE. Ronnie Brinkley, good morning. Back to you. Half a CPE. Kimberly, half a CPE. You picking up when I'm putting down, people? It's 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 free love. It's CPEs for you, for you, for you. Drop the Oprah emotes for squad members. You know what I'm talking about. It stacks, though. It's two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up and document literally the easiest, and I argue, the most enjoyable way to earn CPEs. Uh, Just a pro tip, I do this all the time with like conferences and stuff. Bundle them up, right? So like once a month, go into your ISC Squared portal, member portal, or ISACA member portal, right? Or or once a quarter if you really want to go YOLO and say, you know, daily cyber threat briefing, like 40 CPEs if you do it uh, across four months or something like that. I do this for conferences all the time. I'll do DEF CON, 36 CPEs, or if I do a college course... At the end of the college, uh, you know, at the end of the end of the semester, if it's a cybersecurity course, right, you know, it's 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 thirteen weeks and it's like an hour or three hours a day, right? So it's thirty nine hours of of credit, right? So that's thirty nine CPES, dude. There's a million ways to get CPES that does not involve you watching some boring, boring (laughs) webinar on some on some topic you don't care about. If you're live. Love it. I see 93 of you in here just on the, 95 of you in here just on the Simply Cyber YouTube channels. That doesn't include LinkedIn. That does not include all the other uh, destinations that were pushing this stream out. So love it. Thank you for being here. We're going to have a banger today. If you are watching on replay, drop hashtag team replay in chat. If you're live, you can do hashtag team live, but come on, we're here. We're in the now. Hashtag team replay. Um, to make sure that you get those CPEs. See, the thing is you can get the CPEs without putting comments in, but if an auditor ever pushes back on you and says, what's this Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief? And this is shenanigans. Like, um, please see here is the channel, right? Here's the URL of the channel. Here's all of those videos. I said, what's up in all of them. Essentially registering myself as, you know, like um, saying here, like in class, right? So like Amigos 182 here, Jack Scott here, Munchkin here, you see what I'm saying? It's indisputable evidence and you can tell that auditor to take a hike, okay? So, hashtag team replay. <laughs> Long way to get into that. Now, if you are on replay, two things for you. One standard issue you're living in the future, which means you have all the benefit and superpowers of a time traveler. So, you can skip these pleasantries that I'm going to do while I sip my coffee and welcome people into chat over the next minute and a half. You can literally just go bang, bang, bang and jump, grab that slider and jump, right? So, if you just want the news, you're here for the news and that's it, um, then just jump forward and we'll start. And also, team replay, Um, You you had the ability uh, to enter the raffle all week for the World of Haiku license keys. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope that the Team Replay folks were able to take advantage of that. Today is no different. We're going to give away the final license of the week. If you want to enter the raffle, you need to go to the Discord server and enter via the giveaway channel by hitting the emote. Increment the emote. I will show a video in a second, okay? All of that is the intro. Guys, what's up? Good morning. I'm gonna spend the next minute and a half-ish saying hi and having a sip of my coffee. I I um a couple things. One, it's Friday, so uh we may have the grace and joke of the day. We'll see how that goes. Also, Jack Scott, take a look at this merch. Got my I heart NIST shirt on, and guys, gotta tell you, it's super true. I am a NIST Cybersecurity Framework lover. Good morning. Corey Nels, good morning, Chuck, Kayla, Rose. I hope you guys, for those who attended the uh, World of Haiku Basu live stream last night, wow, what a great guy, what a great stream. Uh, definitely love the energy coming out of coming out of the World of Haiku. Obviously, guys, at most organizations. Uh, and let me know if my mic sounds loud enough too. I, I got some feedback that my mic wasn't loud, so I'm trying to do this. Um, most organizations take on the kind of vibe of the person in charge, right? I'd like to say that Simply Cyber, uh, the community that is Simply Cyber, the whole, the whole sh- thing that is Simply Cyber um, has taken on, you know, in part, part of my personality, which I, I like to think is uh, approachable and inclusive and, and uh, you know, seeking knowledge and not judgmental. Um, unless, unless you're running remote uh, access open to the internet, then I'm gonna judge you, okay? So that's that happens. Uh, and by remote access, I mean 3389 uh, Microsoft Remote Desktop, not like a VPN or something. <sighs> okay, so anyways, he's a really cool guy. It permeates through the organization. Wicked cool, thanks Kayla. Um, thanks, Be Cool, yeah, absolutely. So that was cool. Um, guys, I'm telling you what, uh, real quick, since you guys are, many of you uh, are regulars here, Um, A couple minutes late this morning. Thank you for staying staying with me. Uh, My dog has I've got to give him administer him some medicine Um, And I just I had to do that and it was taking longer than I anticipated. So I definitely appreciate you guys um, Waiting and rolling and uh, keeping yourselves entertained. I think I think we're good 117 people here You know the deal y'all. I'm just gonna take a slug off my computer and then we, I'm off my computer. Jesus, I definitely need my co- coffee. I'm just going to slug off my computer here. The heck, Jer? Mmm. So good. So good. All right, guys. Real quick, if you want to enter the raffle, as I mentioned in the intro, you need to go to the Discord server. Do exclamation point Discord in chat, please, somebody, to bring up a link to the Discord server. I'm going to show a very quick video that shows you step by step. It's like a 10-second video on where you need to go and how you need to enter you click a celebration emote i'm going to show you right now and then we're going to get right into the news Get the invite you're in the simply cyber discord the giveaway channel Alright, hopefully you saw that. I see 73 people who have entered the raffle is in 27 minutes. Final raffle of the week if you want to win that. Um, If you won one of the 10 prizes that we raffled off last night in the live stream, uh, I I had to push away from my desk right away after the stream last night because we ran late. So I will get with you uh, later today. Also, I hope Carrie is here. Carrie, uh, DM me one of the winners of the World of Haiku License Key raffle last night. Had already purchased the light uh, the game and has asked me to uh, do donate or give you their license key. So congratulations, Carrie, uh, raffle winner of the license key for World of Haiku. So uh, connect with me, Carrie. Very very cool. Very very cool. All right, y'all. Let's get started with the news. <laughs> I'm just taking a slug off my computer, apparently. Let's do it. From the CISO series, it's
1: cybersecurity headlines. It's Friday, August 5th, 2022. Cyberattacks hit Taiwan to coincide with Speaker Pelosi's visit. As U.S. House of Representatives Speaker Nancy Pelosi made a brief visit to Taiwan this week, Taipei experienced a sharp increase in cyberattacks. Taiwan's digital minister, Audrey Tang, said the volume of cyber attacks on Taiwan government units on Tuesday before and during her arrival surpassed 15,000 gigabits, which is 23 times higher than the previous daily record. Most of the attacks originated from addresses in China and Russia and were not being attributed to the Chinese government, but instead to opportunistic hacktivists. An attack on Taiwan's presidential website was followed by a DDoS attack on the Ministry of National Defense on Wednesday, just after Pelosi's departure. None of the attacks appear to show significant or lasting damage.
0: Okay, so um, again, I'm going to preface this by saying I am not a geopolitical expert. I'm just a cybersecurity nerd uh, who, who, who has a live stream, okay? So having prefaced that... I, I do want to point out this. Okay. So in the story, they said that, well, okay, back up. Nancy Pelosi, who is a high ranking U.S. official, went to Taiwan. As background, Taiwan is an independent country. China, who is a very, very powerful country with, a, you know, kind of an authoritative regime, identifies Taiwan not as an independent country, but as a state of China, right? Or a subject of China. I don't know if they call it states or not, but basically Taiwan is not recognized as a country. And famously, you see this all the time in the influence of China um, in Hollywood media. Okay, so real quick, um, in the original Top Gun, what's his face? Um, uh, Tom Cruise has a cool leather bomber jacket with all sorts of patches. One of the patches has the Taiwan flag. When the new movie Maverick came out, China said you either replace that. I don't care if you do it physically or digitally. You replace that flag um, or you cannot distribute Maverick, aka Top Gun 2, in China, which is a huge, huge market, right? So we're talking cash money, homie, right, Kimberly?
1: Great cash, homie.
0: Right? So if you go, if you Google Maverick jacket Taiwan, you'll see the images, okay? That's the kind of power and influence. Also, John Cena famously... Uh, said just in a, a conversation on an interview, uh, the people of Taiwan, and he had to walk that back. It's the it's, it's arguably one of the most cringy apologies I've ever seen for, for something that really didn't warn an apology. Um, okay, so all of that is kind of setting the stage. Pelosi goes to Taiwan. This is identifying Taiwan as kind of an ally of the United States, as being recognized as a country, like all of these things. And Taiwan gets hammered with cyber attacks. Now, it says cyber attacks plague Taiwan. But according to the story, which I just heard now and didn't really dig into, it sounds like it was a distributed denial of service attack. They they qualified it by saying, like, you know, whatever, a terabyte of data was pushed or, you know what I mean? That is the indicator of a denial of service attack, which... One, when, when done well, can be sophisticated, right, with botnets and all this other stuff. But the way that they talked about it, coming from IP addresses of opportunistic um, IPs, sounds like it was very unsophisticated, very crude, um, you know, which, which denial of service attacks can be very script kitty ish. If you want to get a little bit of a history lesson on that, Google low orbit ion cannon and you will see how like people used to like opt into botnets in order to like be hacktivists together. Low orbit ion cannon was basically an old school um, DOS tool, uh, denial of service tool that you could literally just like, you could be no nothing, Jon Snow and be able to use it. Like you just put in a victim IP address and hit blast and it would blast it. Okay. Obviously you'd be like DOSing yourself (laughs) too, because you would just be ripping open the pipe and pushing data out your own network channel, uh, effectively screwing yourself too. But Um, I do want to point out at a geopolitical level, again, wicked crew, don't know everything. Um, there has been speculation that what Russia is doing to Ukraine right now, uh, China could do to Taiwan and the timing would be, uh, advantageous because the world theater is looking at Ukraine, helping Ukraine assets, resources to Ukraine. Um, you know, the United States is, is we're going through, um, not primaries, but like the mid-year elections and stuff like that. Like, it's it's interesting, okay? It's very interesting. I don't know why Pelosi went over there. I don't know if it was um, um, related to Taiwan's current state with China and escalating tensions there. But anyways, very interesting, not surprising. China is undoubtedly a first world power. Uh, the only other thing that I will point out um, of interest is that If you look at Russia as a playbook, Russia doesn't always attack their adversaries, right? They have plausible deniability because they actually have cyber criminal gangs operating in like Eastern Europe who do the attacks, right? And Russia can claim uh, anonymity. We saw this in the Conti papers that were released from Wizard Squad um, talking about how they weren't really worried about law enforcement. Um, Hold on. They weren't really worried about law enforcement getting on them, uh, almost ha- operating with immunity in that Russian controlled space. Um, you know, if opportunistic hackers in China are doing this, you could see an easy correlation. Um, of okay, so China is not going to attack Taiwan because they don't want to escalate um, act of war and world world geopolitical tensions. But if it's opportunistic people in China doing it who are trying to get an extra you know meal ticket or an extra book of coupons or up their their social credit score, well then okay, we'll look into it. This is speculation and um, just a hot take, Fancy. but that's what I think when I hear this story and look at it. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of unfolding in a very similar fashion to me.
1: Cisco addresses critical flaws in small business VPN routers. The flaw, tracked as CVE-2022-20842, resides in the web-based management interface of several Cisco small business VPN routers. An unauthenticated remote attacker can exploit the flaw to execute arbitrary code or trigger a denial-of-service condition by causing an affected device to restart unexpectedly. The vulnerability is due to insufficient validation of user-supplied input to the web-based management interface. It has received a CVSS score of 9.8, and yep. Cisco points out there are no workarounds that address this vulnerability. Okay, I am, of I, shh,
0: I am not surprised that this is a, um, a 9.8. I actually thought it was going to be a 10. Um, here's the deal, guys. This is a perfect storm of crap. All right from from f- first first from an operational perspective, if you are running what versions of Cisco, th- this is an ex if you are running I want to see what br- what what products it affects. Follow, follow this link in the news story. If you're running any of the Cisco RV160 r- basically the RV of routers you can see RV160 260 345 if you're running the RV line or um you're an MSP providing services and your clients run RV this is a this is a pause the stream this is a pause the stream if you win the license key i'll i'll send it to you don't sweat that this is a pause the stream and go get um go get your in gear this is not good okay the reason it's a 9.8 is because an unauthenticated remote user, meaning anyone on the internet with no creds, can exploit this. You can force a reboot, which somehow will, I mean, obviously, if you can force reboots, you can cause denial of service, right? So if the VPN goes down, you don't break business operations, but you cannot remote in and work from home, COVID work, you know, like you could disrupt operations in that capacity. The stinger here is that you can execute unauthentic, you can execute arbitrary code, which basically means malware. You can run whatever you want, right? So you can pwn this device. This is a VPN. So it is internet facing, which means there's, there's really no, practical scenario where these devices are not internet facing people, you can do it, but it's like large enterprises with like, you know, R&D or national security systems would put VPNs inside their environment. Like it's very, very uncommon. Like you would just use ACLs or network segmentation. You wouldn't do VPNs. So all of this is to say not good. They don't have a workaround for it. They do have a patch. It sounds like, so you would want to patch it. Um, this could be an emergency out-of-band patch, so you bring the VPN down. Again, it's it's moderately disruptive to business operations because just the people who VPN in um, are the ones who would have trouble while you're rebooting and uh, or um, updating this thing, but it won't stop business operations. The other thing I want to point out, and this one's the scary one, is that... This is targeted for small businesses, right? So when they say small, by the way, I'm thinking that it's more like mid-sized business, right? It's called the small business router line. But like a five-person company, they're not going to be running typically like a VPN and corporate network and all this other crap. Like they're probably just using cloud services, Office 365 in kind of a decentralized way with no home network or quote unquote uh, office network, right? larger orgs let's say 50 person plus they might have that um here's the thing they typically won't have internal IT a lot of small small businesses will outsource IT to a third party an MSP right managed service provider that's what MSPs do um MSPs may not be mindful of this because According to my research, at least in the healthcare space in the state of South Carolina, which I think would extrapolate to other um, states and other industries, businesses that leverage MSPs to do their IT believe that they are responsible for the information security of that technology stack as well, which some do. But remember, people, I'm going to, I got to get a shirt that says this like, IT is all about availability, right? InfoSec. Isn't like one of our security objectives is availability, but we oftentimes have conflicting priorities. Uh, InfoSec and IT people, and I love my IT people, but they do have conflicting priorities from time to time. And, um, this could be one of them where they're not looking. It's just like, is the VPN working? Is it up? Yes, you guys can access remote. Good. I'm going to go to the beach. Um, so just be mindful of this. It's like it's like kind of a crappy market because small businesses, smaller businesses, they're not thinking they're they're constantly thinking about the business and product and delivering uh, on their value proposition. They're not thinking about IT maintenance and stuff like that. They outsource it. So just be mindful. This one, it's kind of a it's kind of a regular story, but dude, the reason it's a CVE uh, or CVSS of 9.8, the highest you can go is 10, right? There's a little formula for calculating the value of a vulnerability risk score, base score, without any context of your environment. 9.8 is right up there uh, with 10. I would bet you um, am- amount of money that matters to me that this would be a 10 if it was being actively exploited in the wild, gangbuster style, right? If you saw this getting popped all over the place, if CISA released this as a actively exploited bug, this would be a 10, and it would probably be a wider-reaching kind of general media news story.
1: Now relies on paper for its most sensitive court documents. The Justice Department has been filing most sensitive documents old school as of January 2021 to avoid any chance of a breach or vulnerability in electronic filing systems, compromising its high-stakes cases. In an interview this week, Deputy Assistant Attorney General for National Security Adam Hickey told CyberScoop the department implemented policy last year but did not connect that change to a specific breach or cybersecurity event. However, the Administrative Office of the U.S. Courts did reveal an apparent compromise of the court's systems electronic case files on January 6th, 2021, as well as, quote, an incredibly significant and sophisticated cybersecurity breach, end quote, that happened in early 2020 that had lingering impacts on the DOJ and other agencies.
0: Yeah, not surprising, guys. Um, You know, this sucks. We live in a world where technology is super efficient, interoperated. Uh, you can search and find things quickly. You can index things. Um, you can access them from the Uber. You can access them from the Sky. Um, but that information is sensitive. And one of one of the surefire ways to protect it is to not stick it there. This is called risk avoidance for my CISSP and SecPlus people. When you're handling risk, you got four options and risk avoidance is one of those, and this is it, right? It sucks. They probably introduced uh, more time-consuming processes and procedures. Um, You know, you got to write these things. Uh, Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised. I I think that there's a shortcoming with this, but the DOJ handles really sensitive information. If They're putting indictments out for nation-state threat actors, right? They do this uh, with China, Russia, Romania, Iran. Um, They do this all the time. Um... If there's evidence, if they're building a case, if all of that is stored digitally and someone has gotten in there, which it sounds like they've had multiple incidents of breach, um, the data could be tainted, which means chain of custody could be compromised, which means you can't, you don't have a case. You could tip your hand about an active investigation, uh, basically uh, giving it away. Uh, you could even manipulate the data, so uh, you send, you know, police into the wrong direction, maybe um arrest attack uh investigate someone who is actually innocent uh there's a lot of different things one shortcoming that i think you know immediately comes to mind immediately comes to mind with this is yes they're not storing it on a file server or google drive or whatever but i would bet i would bet uh, this one's only a 10 dollar bet cuz i really don't know but it seems very likely i'd i'd bet you 10 dollars that they're still Work. They're still at a computer drafting the documentation. They're still emailing it back and forth, but they're printing it out, okay? People are not handwriting indictments. People are not sending inter-office memos like it's 1950 Mad Men, right? So the data is still digitized and it's still accessible and endpoints get popped, right? Carl, Carl is at every organization. So while this is a risk avoidance Control. If they're not all in on paper, <laughs> then there is risk that you didn't fully trans uh, uh, avoid. Right? You didn't mitigate the risk complete. Well, you didn't remediate the risk out. Right? You didn't mitigate it down to zero. You didn't avoid it. You've just reduced your risk. Okay. And this is one of those nuances for my GRC people. Um, actually, you know what? If you're going for a GRC analyst interview, you should read this story, think about what I just said, and then drop that knowledge bomb on the interviewers. Okay. Yeah, this is risk avoidance, but there's there is residual risk if you're still writing it and sending it through email from time to time, right? It's only if the I guess the official documents, the official pieces of evidence were um, written only, right? All right. Also, really quick, um, uh, Jay Smith pointed out that the that the uh, Cisco vulnerability would be a ten, not a nine eight, if it did have a logo. Um, that it, that that is funny <laughs> that is really funny
1: new linux malware brute forces ssh servers to breach networks a new botnet called rapperbot has been used in attacks since mid june focusing on brute forcing its way into linux ssh servers to establish a foothold on the device researchers show that rapperbot is based on the mirai trojan but deviates from the original malware's normal behavior of uncontrolled propagation to as many devices as possible Instead, Rapperbot is more tightly controlled, has limited DDoS capabilities, and its operation appears geared towards initial server access, likely to be used as stepping stones for lateral movement within a network. Over the past month and a half since its discovery, the new botnet has used over 3,500 unique IPs worldwide to scan and attempt brute forcing on Linux SSH servers. All right. Okay, so
0: RapperBot, um, <laughs> I am glad that it's R-A-P, not W-R-A-P, so we can see, um, you know, the Penguin, the Linux Penguin. His new album drops on September 1st. Pick it up. It's sick. Gento 2, to the max. All right, so, you know, wh- okay, so here it is. It's a Mirai-based variant. They call it a Mirai Trojan in the story, um, first, I've heard of that. I mean, I guess it does have Trojan-like qualities, but everybody's called it, um, you know, just Mirai Botnet, right? Or So anyways, for people getting in the industry, Mirai is an a- excellent case study. There's a ton of data on it, uh, a ton of interesting s- news stories. It was, it was actually originally crafted by two uh, kids, if you will, two college students out of Rutgers University who, get this... Wrote it in order to deny or do denial of service attacks on Minecraft servers. Apparently, there's big money in Minecraft uh, in order to knock other Minecraft servers out so people would pay to join their Minecraft server, which uh, surprisingly wasn't experienced in denial of service attacks. Um, the feds got onto them, they freaked out, and they published the Mirai source code. Now, Mirai is a very unsophisticated piece of malware it's got a couple different mechanisms to it but it's its' spreading mechanism for infection literally randomly generates a f- uh, four IP uh, four octets of an IP address right so it picks a random number zero to 255 four times and that's its IP and then it tries to connect to that IP address and then it it at the time when Mirai was hot it goes through 60 different default admin credentials for vendor uh, devices right admin admin login password whatever And if it got one, then it would drop its payload in, okay? And then it would rinse and repeat, and obviously, it would spread quickly. Very crude, though, right? Randomly generated IP address, trying default creds. The fact that it grew to the level it did just indicates how ridiculous people are with default credentials on internet-facing devices. But that's a story for another day. Or for (laughs) that's for me to flip out later on in the show, obviously. So wrapper bot someone has taken the mirai source code right because it's on github right there's been multiple variants of it um someone's taken that and they've refined it so it's only it's only looking for ssh servers right so it's only looking for essentially linux boxes listening on port listening on port 22 that's why they got the linux penguin here right because ssh servers typically don't run on windows boxes And they are scanning and looking for that. It's obviously got uh, a pretty high infection rate. Um, So just be mindful. I guess the the long story is don't run default creds on SSH servers. I didn't listen to the full story. So I don't know if they've refined that piece. But if it's like Mirai, then it's using default creds to see if it can log into SSH servers. And if you're running default creds, shame on you. That is a big, big no, no, you should not be doing that. It's like literally it's it's a terrible idea. I don't wanna call you um silly, silly pants, but uh Sheesh. you don't wanna do that, okay um okay, so that that's all I'll say about that. um, just to conclude the story, those two Rutger kids got arrested um it it's like I said, it's a very, very interesting case study of threat actors um not being actual like real criminals. They were beyond script kiddies, but um they were not they were not a life of crime hardened criminals. They were college students and they got in over their head and then they tra- they panicked and they tried to um run away essentially digitally run away and the feds caught them. Great great um great case study. Thanks. Okay, so let's listen to uh the plug here from uh uh, let's listen to the plug from CISO Series. Uh, Cybersecurity Central says, "Shame." That actually makes me think. Maybe I'll get the um, the Game of Thrones. Shame, shame. Maybe I'll get that as a sounder. That would probably really fit.
1: That would really fit with the with the uh the program here. This week's episode sponsor, Hyas. We know IT and security teams are already overloaded, facing constant pressure to improve security without additional resources. That's why it's so important to find solutions that bolster your security and not your workload. Hias Protect deploys in under 30 minutes, easily integrates into existing infrastructure, constantly updates with the latest threat intelligence, renders attacks inert regardless of how they infiltrated your environment, and doesn't require day-to-day hand-holding, letting you focus on keeping your business moving full forward. For more information, visit Hias.com. That's H-Y-A-S.com.
0: All right. Again, thank you to um, CISO Series, David Spark, and all those guys. Uh, I've talked to them. Uh, They definitely uh, know that we're using the podcast and and kind of piggyback on it. Uh, I have a good relationship with David. Uh, Good guy. Really appreciate CISO Series for continuing to pump this out, allowing us the opportunity to really do uh, all this. I do want to take a minute. The World of Haiku license key giveaway will happen in three minutes. So... If you haven't entered the raffle yet for the final World of Haiku license key, you need to get in there right now. Go to the Discord server, go to the giveaway channel, slap that uh, celebration emote to enter. Ninety-three people in there right now. It's a pretty solid, pretty solid showing, y'all. Um, this is the World of Haiku. Uh, it is a cybersecurity learning platform that is wrapped in a very kind of uh, near, you know, near future cyberpunk vibe uh we had the ceo on stream last night eric basu go back and watch it if you're interested we talk about what it is what it's doing what the future is uh which sounds really really cool this is a really innovative approach and a fun engaging way to learn cybersecurity. so linux skills pen testing long term there's going to be blue uh skills no love for grc but you know people don't want to people don't want to tread into the grc waters and do training content um except two thumbs and smiles right here um also want to remind everybody while we're waiting for the raffle here we got less than a minute 58 seconds people um just a reminder uh this is the uh let's see through sunday over in the simply cyber store there is 20 percent off everything including the iheartness shirt which i'm totally pumped i'll be wearing this at black hat defcon so i might even i'm on a panel on um i'm on a panel on wednesday morning i do have to wear a blazer because i'm i'm with executives and i gotta look like one so uh i think i might wear the blazer with the t-shirt underneath and i think it might be the I Heart NIST. i don't know what do you guys think like uh if, if you care to comment it's either gonna be a simply cyber shirt or an iheartnist shirt so i'll be the guy with the t-shirt and the blazer like that silicone you know millennial hipster looking thing let me know. <laughs> let me know. Anyways, twenty percent off. And guys, in case you didn't know, uh, the website got rebranded. Doctor Gerald, those PhD? Ooh, that's a faux pas. You don't typically do the doctor and the PhD. I'll have to correct that. <laughs> that's that's uh, uh that's cringy. Okay, uh, real quick. Congratulations, our winner is the Menace. The Menace has won the World of Haiku license key, the final key in uh raffle of the week congratulations the menace connect with me on discord and i will get you what you um what you what you need in order to claim your prize all right all right guys let's keep rolling because it is friday and i've got so much coffee pumping through my brain or through my veins
1: oh god maybe i don't have enough microsoft bolsters threat intelligence security portfolio with two new products Drawing from last year's acquisition of Risk iq Microsoft is adding two new threat intelligence applications to its Defender product family and separately offering new detection and response capabilities for SAP ERP systems to its Sentinel security information and event management products. Microsoft has developed Microsoft Defender Threat Intelligence, a standalone library of raw adversary data, which it says it is offering for free, accessible directly by all users or from within its existing Defender family of security products. It has also released Microsoft Defender External Attack Surface Management, designed to scan users' computing environments and connections to provide security teams with the same view an attacker has of their organization while selecting a target.
0: That's kind of cool.
1: VMware. Okay, so this
0: is pretty cool. Um, This is pretty cool. So, guys, Microsoft used to be laughable when it came to security. Um, Laughable, okay? I'm talking like 90s, uh, early 2000s. It was a joke, okay? They pivot. They come out with Azure. They start acquiring InfoSec companies. Uh, Microsoft Defender comes out, like things are looking really hot. They start integrating it all up into uh, Defender for Endpoint, uh, Defender for whatever. They have Sentinel as a SIM tool. All, everything is integrating. You don't have to do log correlation, log. Um, like, I won't get into SOC life and SIM stuff, but basically, you have to push all the logs into one central resource. But, lo- you know, like logs are timestamping based on the endpoint itself, right? So, if the time on the actual endpoint is wrong, the logs aren't gonna uh, mash up nicely, then there's drift, how long does it take to get places? Are you getting the right logs? Are you being inundated with logs? You got you got like data that you don't even care about that's mucking up all the works. Sock life is, is like, you can't assume perfect telemetry in your SIM without setting it up correctly, right? So anyways, all of that's a long way to say that Microsoft actually has a really cool SIM called Sentinel that, uh, if you're using, if you're in the Microsoft ecosystem, all that crap is kind of taken care of you. So that's part of their value proposition. Microsoft acquired a company called RiskIQ uh, a little while ago, and now they're adding value to their platform essentially by offering additional capabilities to security practitioners, including <clears throat> the ability to look at your own environment from an attacker point of view, which is really really cool. Because think about it like this. If you're trying to defend your organization, understanding like what your risk exposure is, are you running those Cisco small business RV VPN routers, right? I don't know. Shadow IT happens, right? Carl, everywhere. So most of us will take Shodan and look at our external IP range. Most of us will take a Vuln Scanner, put it on our own network, scan, maybe look at uh, devices that are at the edge, right? These are some of the things we do. Well, if you have like assets in the cloud, assets kind of spread everywhere. If you're running like an SD-WAN, you know, next-gen firewall, like if you got all this crap everywhere, that can be really difficult to just use Shodan, right? So it sounds like they've also offered this capability where you can holistically look at your environment from an attacker perspective. There's probably some rich data there about, uh, you know, <clears throat> level of, um, if there's vulnerabilities, if there's known exploits, if it's being actively exploited, um, if there's been any type of, Um, activity, like, you know, basically you could put an endpoint up on the internet and as a honeypot. And within minutes, you'll see it start getting banged, right? So it happens very quickly. You probably get that kind of telemetry. Long story short, if you're using Microsoft as a platform, right? Azure or for uh, security, um, you definitely want to take advantage of this. Be mindful of this. This one's more, I would say, for the practitioners in the group. Many of us, myself included, have a business that leverage <clears throat> Office 365 and the Azure, you know, kind of platform. This is a functionality that's available there. If you're running Defender for Endpoint, if you're running Sentinel, right? Um, take advantage of this. Look into it, share it with the CIO, share it with, dare I say, the director of IT. Unlock the capabilities, guys. This isn't a sales pitch. I don't get crap from Microsoft. I'm just saying. I'm more of a fan of homogeneous solutions because they interact and like they they work better together in a lot of situations. They're not always best to breed, but you do get some advantages of integrations. Which, by the way, is why this is a macro level thing. This one's more for everybody. This is why you see businesses like Google buy Mandiant for $5 billion. This is why you see Microsoft buy Risk IQ for however many millions of dollars, right? Security companies are getting acquired all over the place by these big players. Why? Because if you can offer a complete suite, you can lock in clients, right? Vendor lock in. You can lock them in. They don't need to go anywhere else to get services. You have the suite, you can upsell them with additional. Capabilities, additional functionality, some of it given away for free, some of it uh an upsell or additional license fees or whatever, right? They don't want you to go somewhere else. You need a sim, we got one. You need endpoint EDR, we got it. What do you need? Threat intelligence? We got you. Hold on, let's go buy risk IQ. Vendor lock in is a real thing. Dude, information security from a vendor perspective is nearly a trillion dollar business. That's real cash money. Great cash, homie. Right, So this is why they buy those things. This is why they they integrate it. And I, for one, um, am not pushing back on it because there is value to me as a practitioner. I have... Oh my God, a single pane of glass. I can't believe I have to say that. I have a single portal uh, in this homogeneous environment where everything's going up and I'm getting better... I'm getting better uh risk reduction for my organization which is ultimately my underpinning mission and it should be yours too if you're a practitioner
1: urges users to patch critical authentication bypass bug what the hell vmware and experts alike are urging users to patch multiple products affected by a critical authentication bypass vulnerability that can allow an attacker to gain administrative access to a system as well as exploit other flaws This bug, tracked as CVE-2022-31656, earned a rating of 9.8 and is one of a number of fixes the company made in various products in an update released on Tuesday for flaws that could easily become an exploit chain. This bug is also certainly one of the most dangerous of these vulnerabilities and likely will become more so as the researcher who discovered it, Petrus Viet of VNG Security, has promised in a tweet that a proof-of-concept exploit for the bug is soon to follow. Okay, a couple of things, really quick. Todd P on LinkedIn mentioned he doesn't like
0: having all his eggs in one basket. That is the that is the primary argument against homogeneous uh, solutions or a, a philosophical approach to homogeneous tech stacks. Um, you 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 start introducing single points of failure, right? If if Microsoft goes down, if they get denial of service, if we just saw it a couple of weeks ago, right, where someone made a configuration change and you know, when Teams went down for a while. Um, you have the ability, you have the susceptibility to having your entire tech stack, your entire security stack compromised, and then you're really screwed. So he's he's right. Thank you, Todd, for pointing that out. It's very much uh, you have to weigh these things. It's it's a risk based decision. You know what does it cost to hire staff to know and use and have the the skill set to be able to use all these different solutions. And then, what is the licensing fee for all these different things? This is why Teams is killing Zoom, even though Zoom has arguably got um, better some better features. Teams is actually um, starting to introduce new features that people like. But but the point is, people have already paid for Teams because of the Office 365. So CFOs don't want to pay for Zoom. Also, so you get into all this. But it, it is a it is a great point. Um, Okay, so let's get to this VMware story. This one is not much different than the Cisco story that we just talked about. Critical vulnerability uh, on VMware. VMware is a, it's essentially a technology that allows you to host multiple systems, oftentimes servers for an environment and they're all virtualized. So really as a IT admin, you just have to manage the VMware hypervisor, which think of that as like the, container that holds all the virtualized servers, right? So you can allocate resources, you can spin up, spin down. Uh, it's kind of like VMware is basically like cloud instantiation before it was up in the cloud, right? You could do it like on-prem or, or, or locally. Um, a lot of businesses use VMware still. And there's a critical uh, authentication bypass. I I don't know if they said uh, remote code, uh, non-auth. Usually VMware instant, uh, VMware in the hypervisor is typically not internet facing. Okay, like that's really like, I don't know an instance where you'd have the hypervisor expose the internet. That would be a really crappy architecture. But if you got into an environment and they found the hypervisor, they could use this to patch, I mean, excuse me, to exploit. Now, what really makes this interesting and why I like uh, mentioning the Cisco story is because the Cisco story did not have a known exploit, which is why it was a 9.8 CVSS score, not a 10. And I said, oh, if there was an exploit, it would probably go up. The, The existence of an exploit and the... Um, distribution and dissemination of the exploit is a temporal variable, right? It's temporal. It, it's either there or it's not. It's either searchable or it's not, right? The researcher who discovered this said they will be posting online, publicly available, a proof of concept exploit. A proof of concept exploit is basically not, it's not weaponized. It's not built in in some way to deliver some payload. It's not a full malware package. It's just the uh, ability to successfully exploit this, right? And this is what security researchers all the, always do. This individual, I didn't hear it in the story, but I would assume reached out to VMware or whoever owns VMware. I think they're actually owned by somebody and um, responsibly disclosed the vulnerability. And usually there's like a period of time, like 90 days, gives the vendor time to figure out how to fix the problem, then actually develop a patch, test it, and then roll it out to users. Let the users actually install it and, and, and patch their environment and then you release the exploit right you're kind of a peckerhead if you just l- release the exploit and we used to see this in the late 90s early 2000s all the time it was like how you got street cred right you just drop an exploit or you release it at defcon or something like that that's not how we roll anymore in our industry it's much more of responsible disclosure or if you're not going to responsibly disclose it you're typically black hat and you're you're selling it on the uh dark web anyway so Okay, all that's a long way to say, uh, patch your VMware. Patch your VMware!
1: Hive Group demands £500,000 from British schools, citing cyber insurance policy. The Hive Ransomware Group is allegedly demanding £500,000, about $608,000, from two schools in England following a hack targeting their IT systems, according to reports in British media. Students and parents of the Wootton Upper School and Kimberley College, both owned by Wootton Academy Trust in Bedfordshire, England, received a message last week from the hacking group claiming to have breached the trust's network and exfiltrated students' home addresses, banking information, and medical records with threats to leak the data if it fails to pay. The Hive Group claims to have breached the system and then obtained details of its cyber insurance policy to use in negotiations, hence the price. But Alan Liska, a ransomware expert at Recorded Future, called such a threat bluster aimed at frightening the parents, stating that just having a £500,000 cyber insurance policy does not mean that an insurance company will pay it. All right, so
0: a couple things here. We actually just heard the other day... Um, there was a news story about UK and about cyber attacks and, and kind of an increase in that, um, specifically around higher ed. So this is kind of on brand and, and this is part of the reason why you should be doing daily threat briefings. Okay. Because you start seeing kind of the life of a story, right? The development, right? That, like, for example, this China, Taiwan thing. I mean, that's, that's way more, um, you know, geopolitical and, and wide reaching at a societal level, but you'll what what you know, we're talking about Pelosi goes there and denial of service attacks, distributed denial of service from opportunistic IPs. Let's let's continue to follow it. This is another one, right? Okay. So real quick, this is the Hive Ransomware group. Some people um speculate some people speculate that members of Conti Ransomware Wizard Spider, the Wizard Spider gang, uh, who've kind of gone dormant or whatever, uh, may be affiliated with the Hive. Now, it's interesting because Conti attacked Costa Rica and then Hive came in right behind and attacked Costa Rica. The country of Costa Rica, you can Google it. Or, you know, remember we talked about it. Costa Rica got distrib- uh, uh, ransomware and the president told the ransomware operators to pound sand. It was like a $10 million ransom. Then they upped it to $20 million. Hive came in afterwards and punched them in the mouth. It The fact that the Hive um, ransomware group is knowledgeable about the cyber insurance policy um, uh, limits on the policy. That's very wizard spider-ish. I'm, I'm basing this on the Conti um, Conti leaks, but they, they knew what the policies were. That's why they were asking for that. They were literally, they had people in places to disclose information for a fee. So if you have a $500,000 um, ransomware policy, They're not going to ask for $200,000. Like they're financially motivated on a level that's unprecedented. They're going to ask for the full amount because they know that they can get the victim organization has paid their policy premiums and they can get that much um, from the insurance company, uh, you know, allegedly if everything, you know, works out. So that's what they're going for. So to me, that's a hallmark of that kind of wizard spider gang. Um, Also, I'm kind of curious, my UK uh, people. GDPR is a privacy regulation that's got real teeth in the UK, right? It's around protecting individuals. Um, <laughs> surprise, right? Uh, for those who don't know, privacy is a—it's uh, a, its a right, and the UK is way further along uh, with individual privacy and data privacy and stuff like that than than the United States. California and a couple other states have privacy legislation on the books, but. For the most part, there it's a framework thing or, or patchwork. There isn't really a holistic United States privacy policy or privacy regulations or laws. So I'm curious, how does this affect these schools via GDPR? They said that the data that was compromised was medicals and personal, all the things that GDPR would care about. So I'm actually kind of curious. Uh, it did lose teeth after Brexit. Okay, interesting. I am curious, though, if these schools are going to get raked over the coals for the uh, compromise of that data. Because remember, at least in the United States with HIPAA violations, right? even if the threat actors uh, don't disclose the data, if they just ransomware or encrypted your data, you'd still have to report it as a breach because you can't definitively tell whether or not the threat actors looked at the data before they encrypted it. This was a hot, debatable topic in like 2017, 2016, whether or not it needed to be a reportable breach. Um, as far as I know, the last I heard it had to be reportable which totally sucks because then you get on the wall of shame and everything like that. So I could see GDPR um, screwing over these schools as well. Um, So I say it all the time, guys. Ransomware is like almost commonplace at this point. So it's very uncommon. It's not frequent that we dig deeper into ransomware stories, but this one is interesting because of the GDPR stuff. And the fact that Hive to me has indicators of wizard spider um leadership and execution, which is not good <laughs> because Wizard Spider was definitely the most sophisticated, well oiled, well disciplined ransomware threat actor group, right? Go read the Conti Leaks if you don't believe me. And by read the Conti Leaks. Look at Brian Krebs distillation of the Conti Leaks. I I, I don't wanna I don't have time to read all the Conti Leaks so
1: Krebs Krebs on security.com. Faster-spinning Earth warns of Y2K-like negative leap-second scenario. The Earth is spinning faster and recently recorded its shortest day ever. June 29, 2022 was 1.59 milliseconds shorter than the average day, according to scientist Leonid Zotov speaking to CBS News. The normal length of a day is about 24 hours or 86,400 seconds, but in recent years the Earth's rotation has accelerated, shortening some of these days by milliseconds. Zotov, who works for Lomonosov Moscow State University and who recently published a study on what might be causing the changes in the Earth's rotation, states that it may be caused by changes in the Earth's tides. If this trend continues, atomic timekeeping may require the introduction of a negative leap second, which could cause Y2K-like devastation. In in IT with the potential for crashing programs and corrupting data. What? Remember we have Hold on. I don't
0: I don't understand. Well, okay. So, okay, so the story is you know, the earth spinning faster, okay. And then they're they're proposing um basically just updating the clocks. Guys, we have leap right? Like we have we add an extra day every 4 years in order to deal with stuff like this. So, a leap second uh, I guess they're saying that uh, it'll change. I don't know. I'd, I'd really have to think about this. I don't. I don't think it would cause catastrophic failures. Like Y2K didn't really cause that many problems. And by the way, Y2K was more associated with the ability of storing the data, uh, the date value, in a memory block that wasn't designed for four digits. It was designed for two. Right. That so a different story right if you're changing the time by uh 1 second backwards um i don't see why you don't just update the um the 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 time server right a lot of systems and servers yes like your endpoint that you're on right now your your um workstation or something like that may just have its internal but a lot of times like uh centralized the servers or whatever they will point to like an atomic clock that is the official time right so if that gets changed by a second um, I could see... I don't know. This gives me like a popsicle headache. All right. Long story short, I would assume Microsoft and Apple, two of the... And Google, um, purveyors, vendors of major operating systems that are everywhere would put in some type of handle for dealing with this. This is a one-off instance. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think that this is going to cause catastrophic Y2K issues. If anything... <laughs> If anything, cynical Jerry cash, makes me think that uh, vendors will get all in. There's going to come. Okay, so here, here's a, a prediction time. Okay, here's my prediction. I think if this thing does move forward, there's going to be a marketing storm and some cool, some cool term, some cool marketing term around the leap second, the negative leap second. Probably a logo and. Vendors are going to sell something to deal with this negative leap second if it turns into a thing where like it's going to happen at this day. Okay, like it sucks. It sucks. But a lot of times, fear, uncertainty, and doubt, FUD, it's called, sells, right? And cybersecurity vendors know this. So a lot of times, they've gotten better about selling services based on capability for risk reduction. But the crude, crass, low-hanging fruit way is to use fear Uncertainty and doubt, like, oh, you you heard about the negative leap second, right? That's like, don't let your systems catastrophically fail by XYZ to ensure that you don't have that problem. Available now, right? So uh look for that. But that's my that's my take. I think that there's gonna be some type of marketing thing um around around this, okay? So you heard it here first. So (laughs) Yeah, Jonathan, when gravity fails, you can get shot into space. Well, the thing is, actually, if the Earth is spinning faster, I would think that gravity would increase, right? So eventually, um, we would get crushed from gravity, right? Just, I don't know, just a theory. Just a theory. Um, All right, so that's going to do it for the Daily Cyber News briefing. We ran a couple minutes over. I do genuinely appreciate it. Just looking at everything to make sure uh, everything looks good. Y'all, we had a great week. I hope you uh, enjoyed the show. Let me know in chat. I'll go back and look. If you've been consuming the audio podcast, uh, I do make it a point to go in right after the show in most instances and put the show right in the audio podcast and then push it out to your audio podcast of choice. You can go to slash podcast or just Google Simply Cyber and then whatever, po- or go in your podcast app of choice and type Simply Cyber. It should come up. Um, let me know. I'm thinking about, um, ways I can automate this. And, um, when school, when school starts, when I start teaching, uh, at the end of the month, uh, the show will be at 10 AM on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which means that the podcast won't come out until much later. Uh, cause I'm frankly, I'm just, I'm just busy guys. I want to share really quickly too. If you are going to Vegas, uh, come find me. I will be doing threat gen heavy stuff on Wednesday, Thursday. There's gonna be a live stream on Wednesday. Um I will be doing uh this so this is uh housekeeping business so if you are just here for the daily briefing you got a roll to work whatever uh thank you for being here. I will see you on Monday at eight AM for everybody else just a couple of housekeeping things. I will be doing I have every intention of continuing to do the daily threat briefing. It will look different because I will be in a hotel room uh with limited access to equipment. So I'm not going to have this mic, but maybe I'll have less audio problems, right? You know what I'm saying? You feel me? Um, I will be doing the the briefing at the same 8 a.m. schedule. So my West Coast people, I'll be living your left coast life, Nick Barker, Poner Joe, Ula Chua. I'll be living that West Coast life, 5 a.m., up and at them, ready to roll, coffee in hand, maybe two coffees. I haven't figured out the coffee situation, which totally sucks because... In Vegas, it takes like a million years to get anywhere, even to the lobby, um, to get Starbucks or whatever. But good news is, (laughs) good news is at 4.30 a.m. in Vegas, it's mostly just miscreants walking around all hammered outside. They're not at Starbucks, although Starbucks isn't typically open now that I think about it. Crap. We're going to have to figure it out. You guys might see me sans coffee, which is not going to be a pretty sight. Um, Come find me. I'll be at Black Hat all day Wednesday, all day Thursday. Um, I'll be doing a live stream on Wednesday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with a big announcement. I'm very excited. I've been working on something with Clint over at Threatchen that is going to be awesome. Awesome. I'm talking like a major initiative that will, um, it'll, it, there's going to be something this year, but 2023 is going to be bananas, and you guys are going to love it. Trust me, it's going to be super, super cool. We're revealing that uh, Wednesday at 3.30 p.m. He, um, 3.30 Eastern standard time. Um, also real quick, I'll be at DEFCON, Ovs, right? But DEFCON will be more about Simply Cyber and about, um, our community and stuff like that. I'll be doing the Trace Labs OSINT capture the flag with Base Case. Now we do have a whole team. Part of the team is remote. Part of the team, me and Base at least, will be on site right there at Caesars Forum executing the OSINT right after that. Um, it ends at two 30 local time, maybe around three o'clock three 30, uh, base and I are going to wander over. I think we're going to go to beer park, which is just outside Paris. Um, it's an outdoor venue. They got awesome beers. Obviously I'm a wicked beer guy, as you know, from (laughs) the discord server. Um, so we'll have some beers. We'll have some laughs. Hopefully it's nice weather. Uh, they do have an inside section. They have a huge giant, like, chess board that you like walk with the pieces. If anyone wants to play me in chess, I, I do fancy a game of chess. Um, and it'll be the end of, you know, the week of activity. So it'll be a great time to decompress and really take time to reflect and, and, and appreciate um, the week uh, of Black Hat DEFCON and appreciate each of you. So please come join us if you can um, at that. Whew. All right, guys, we did it. It was a long week. It was a great week. Congratulations to all the winners of the World of Haiku license keys. Thank you to Eric Basu and the World of Haiku people uh, for providing raffles last week and this week, guys. I'm, I'm the joke of the day. Joel Belton um, Grayson didn't didn't show up. He he told me one yesterday, but it it was like it it, like he wasn't really digging it. He was going to look into it, and I think he's uh, playing Fortnite right now. So. Uh, I will have the joke of the day retrospectively on f- Monday. We, the joke of the the joke of the week on Fridays hasn't quite uh, established itself as an SOP. Um, so yeah, Jim Lunn. Um, I, d- I don't have a joke. I don't have a joke, and um, you know I'm sorry. He he did he did he had one that he made up. He's very he's very proud of making up his own jokes, and I will tell you for the most part. He, he's a really smart kid I'm not just a proud papa right like he's he's in accelerated programs and stuff and he does come up with interesting jokes of his own uh, We'll bring him up oh Jesus hold on just ripped my headphones out Let's see what happens audio issue okay cool anyways no joke of the day thanks everybody um, the audio is a joke yes exactly. Guys, uh, be good, be safe, have a wonderful weekend. You definitely earned it. For all of those who were interviewing this week for jobs, uh, best wishes on hearing back on that early next week. McLarty, I know you were in there. Hopefully that worked out for you. To all of you who have broken in, awesome, congratulations. And It's time to pay it forward, right? So if you guys, um, you know, you're in chat, you're in Discord, uh, people asking questions, take a moment, help them out as best you can. Uh, it's all about community, guys. All right. Thank you very much. Y'all be good. And we will see you at 8 a.m. on Monday morning. Cheers, everybody.